Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever time it is, I am uh, I'm back, kind of. Um, it feels good. It's been a long time. I've missed it. Um, I'm sorry if you've been waiting on me. Um, a lot of things have changed and I wanted to catch up with you. Um, this podcast, I suppose the theme here is based on a quote that I've seen. And that quote goes that in life, you can't change your beginnings. But you can always start from where you are now and change the ending. And I really, really like that. I feel like it's very poignant. Uh, and it is so true um, because it kind of resonates with me because of my background. I am what you would probably call a council estate boy. I grew up on a council estate, very humble beginnings. Uh, my parents didn't have a lot of money. We wasn't broke and desolate sort of thing. You know, they had kind of jobs, but it was minimum wage kind of thing. Um, you know, nothing special. As I say, we lived in a council estate. Growing up on the streets around that state, people would always be trying to give you a hard time over kids and stuff like that. It's just the way of the world. It seems that like how it is in a, in a rundown kind of area. You know, you've got a lot of tearaways, a lot of kids that have not got outlets. So what what else do they do? You know, they get into fights. Um, you know, they, they, they just cause trouble on the streets, breaking into cars, smashing windows. You name it. They're the kind of things that keep young boys entertained. Um, I suppose testosterone. Um, boys are just silly anyway. I'm 34 year old, and for whatever reason, when I'm with a group of boys, um, there's just some sort of urge to act silly. I think it's just in us. We just like to impress each other or show off. Uh, more on a young, a young age, but as you get older, it's just more. I feel like it goes more jokey, and it's you know all about being funny and jokey and in that kind of sense, and, and you can do silly things like, and it, it doesn't matter how old you are, I was sharing a, I was sharing a ride with two other guys, um, one one just a bit younger than me and one probably in his 50s, um, and for whatever reason, I can't even remember why now, we all ended up laughing about penises or willies or whatever you're going to call it, but, you know, we're all grown men, but for whatever reason... You put us all together and we'll act silly. And, you know, a penis is a is a part of the body. It's, it's a part of the human body. It's natural, normal, whatever. Uh, yeah, you know, us grown men, we've all had them for, since we were born. Yeah, we still find it funny talking about willies. Uh, but this is what I'm saying. So, you know, at a young age, of course, you can, um, you can fall into traps. You can get in with the wrong crabs. You can yourself just do something stupid and something that you wouldn't really plan on doing but just something very impulsive just to make yourself look tough or look good to your friends or whatever it, it happens and, and that is the that's the true um sort of way of the world when it comes to that. I mean I suppose when you when your parents have got money um you know you can be put into certain sports clubs and you can have outlets that way and I think that's especially kind of needed for a boy when they hit puberty I think that's one of the things is when you're if you're a a teenage boy and you have no outlet you've got nowhere to sort of use up that testosterone um it's going to be used probably in a negative way um if you can use that testosterone in a positive way um then you'll be fine but a lot of things now especially where I'm from um, there isn't a hell of a lot of stuff around. Um, but if you're a young guy and your parents have got some money and they'll take you out, you know, probably just out of the city or um, there is stuff in the city that you can do, but it's probably more expensive. And if you're a council estate boy um, and your parents just just working their asses off day and night just to put food on the table, they can't get you to these places. Um, they can't afford to pay for these clubs. You know, that's where it all falls down. So I think the government could do more free things for, for kids. We did have a community centre near nearby us, but that was literally the one place where everybody would go to. And there was never enough facilities for everybody. So again, then what you'd end up with is a, a bunch of bunch of testosterone-filled boys fighting over what they want to do. Like, you know, if there's a... I think there was a ping-pong table once, and you got 50 kids there. One ping-pong table. You know. Um, I know kids 
from my area who got put into cricket clubs, training, tennis, tennis training. And I know the tennis court, I actually started playing tennis myself in the later stages of my uh, school years because we had a tennis court at school. And that was a, a, probably a good one for me as I sort of got to the age of 14, 15. That kept me off the streets because I'd go back to school at night and play tennis again. Again, a positive way of using up that, that testosterone, that pemptop energy. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, um, tennis, I know the tennis club, um, there was like 60 quid a month membership, um, you know, and then you had to, you had to wear the right clothes, you had to wear the right gear because you couldn't just rock up in there in some tracksuit, you know, to look a certain way. So, you know, for us, for, for somebody uh, whose parents didn't have a lot of money, that, that was something that I could never get into, but I knew there was other kids that were doing things like that, so... Uh, the government could really try and make, you know, give give kids a chance, um, get them off the street, whatever positive way. Um, boxing would be great. You know, this this Clive Ferran's gym, Clive Ferran. Um, I wish that you know I knew about him when I was a kid. I'm sure he was around. Um, if I could have got to his boxing gym, um, or One Nation that he used to have with uh, Clifton Mitchell, uh, ex-professional boxer. That would have been amazing because that is a good way. I mean, kids are fighting anyway. So what better way to do it than stick some gloves on them and do it in a safe environment and get it out that way? Because I tell you what, you know, you get you get hit enough with a few shots at boxing. You don't want to get hit, you know, and you don't want to fight outside of the ring. Um, it, it makes you understand the importance. It makes you understand the seriousness as well of, you know, what a punch could do uh, to another person. Um, but it also teaches you that discipline, you know, wait for that shot, take your time. And it's a sport. This isn't, it's not something that we're doing, um, to hurt people. We're doing this as a sport. Yeah. We're getting our energies out and yeah, it probably does feel good when you catch somebody with a few shots, but it feels, feels better that you've done it in the correct manner that you've used a certain form that you've, that you've used that jab the way you've been taught. You've stepped into that jab. You know, um, you've executed that hook perfectly the way you've been trained. And it's not really about the person that you're hitting anymore. It's about you and what you're achieving. And that sense of achievement um, will help you strive. I mean, you see it all the time. You look at boxers and you look at how a lot of them got into boxing. Very similar in the background, the upbringing, that they were young kids that didn't have money. uh, But, you know, families were, were poor growing up in a, in a council area, um, you know, fighting, stealing, whatever, get into all the bad ways, um, and then they found the boxing gym. Or, you know, luckily, the parents had seen a boxing gym and they put them into it. Um, and what I love about boxing gyms is that they're still cheap. They're, you know, Clive will do your classes, pay as you go. Right? Because the problem with a lot of clubs nowadays, and this is... See with a lot of mixed martial arts. I used to do some mixed martial arts. I started in judo, um, and then I went into the mixed martial arts. Well, actually, I did um, I did Gracie Kempo Jitsu, Jiu Jitsu. So that was more stand up style Jiu Jitsu. So it's a very similar to the judo, um, but then there was the ground part of it that would slightly come into it here and there, but it wasn't as lot as rolling as Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And then I went into doing mixed martial arts, which had a bit more than kickboxing and stuff like that um but so from where i started when i did judo that was at the community center and that would have been i don't know one pound fifty maybe for a class to to where it is now the problem i see is that again they're wanting 60 70 pound a month 100 pound a month like you're hearing all these different prices you got to sign up you're in a 12 month contract people don't want to do that people want to take the kids somewhere get them into something hope that they enjoy it and then if they do they'll bring them back people don't want to be tied down into a contract and you scare more people away than than you would if you were just bringing you know all right bring them in first class free let's see how they like it second class is just it's just two pound a time three pound whatever you know people can afford three four pound a time a week um nobody wants to sign up have more direct debits coming out of the bank because let's face it got enough of those as it is the government needs, needs to do more for people like that, um, you know, it's fine when you've got money, um, and it and it's hard when you haven't. And 
just because you don't have a lot of money, that shouldn't stop you from having children um, and being able to give them a nice upbringing and a good life, no matter where it is that you live. But it's just an, an unfortunate um, catch-22 situation um, that you kind of get stuck in. Uh, me personally, I've been lucky. <clears throat> I'm not rich, but I'm, I definitely have more money um, between me and my wife than what my parents had. Um, so we're able to put our kids into clubs. And it's, it's easy with, with my son. My daughter, I mean, it cost us somewhere in the region of 60, 70 pound a month for her to do cheerleading. And that's a direct debit every month. But it's something that we, we, we budget for. You know, she loves it. She's been doing it for eight years, I think now. And um, and she's got so many skills out of it. She actually worked at cheerleading on the reception, so she's she's got a, a, a job skill from that. Um, on the you know as a receptionist, she is now coaching, which is a, another job skill. Um, and, and it's it's been very positive for her in that sense, as well as just the, knowing that these routines that she learns, the choreography, being able to do things like a backflip. Uh, forwards walk over, backwards walk over. I don't, know, I don't know all the names of them, but you know, just learning skills and having the confidence to execute them. And then when she goes on stage and does that, when she does the shows, the competitions, her her um, team have literally this year cleaned up. They've done really, really well, and it shows that the hard work has paid off. Um, easier for my son because he just goes to play football, and they always seem to be a pay-as-you-go kind of know two three pound or whatever but I mean it all adds up he goes to probably four different football lots of training he's now doing the futsal he does his own he's the training for for his new team that he's joined um, so that's one of the, the things that's changed in my life is that I've actually left um, Phil Lane as the football manager and I am now uh, just a football dad which I'm absolutely loving I'm loving it I'm enjoying it so much because I just get to enjoy him and just watching what he's doing. Um, and and it feels great. And I feel like there's a lot of pressure gone off of his shoulders. Because his game is just up so dramatically. Um, he's making me so proud at the minute. And all I can do is just um, praise him. Just praise him every time. Like, you know, we went to futsal last night. And we actually, because we started him a little bit late in this. And they were full for his age group. We put him in the age group above. So he's playing with 10 and 11-year-olds, and my boy's eight. And um, he got star player yesterday. You know, he's really, really... He got star player of a tournament. The first tournament, he played for his new team. Um, we played a, a game down on Pride Park, which is the Derby County Football Stadium. He played on their pitch. He was quartered for, uh, for younger age groups. And he got a, an assist for the first goal for his team. The second goal, he scored himself. Um, they won that match, I think, 5-1 or something. But, you know, he scored on Pride Park. Absolutely brilliant. He's done nothing but impress me, surprise me, and make me proud since he's since he's joined this new team. I know the manager of his new team. Um, it got a little bit toxic in the old uh, team that he was at. Between me and, and the other manager, it's just one of those things. I'm, I'm over it. I'm good. I've moved past it. But I just didn't want to keep him in that team. And you know what? It has been the best thing that I've done for him. Um, and it's really working out well. So, yeah, that's where that's changed. But as I said, you know, it's all it's all good. I can I think I paid £12 for him to go training um, with his new team this month. So we'll get four training sessions out of that. His futsal's a few quid a time. He does another type of training on a Saturday, which is just uh, it's more of a fun type training. They, they, do, they do teach them. They do coach them. But it's more, it's, it's a little bit more relaxed, um, and that's with some of his old friends and from some of his friends from the old club and stuff like that as well. So it's good he still gets to see them. Um, and then there's another team that he's been training with um, because they're after a new player, and I suppose it's good to keep your options open. But for me, it's more to do with Mason getting that extra training. So yeah, it all adds up, I suppose. But I'm in a fortunate position where I can do that, and I can pay for him and we have the time at the minute to get them where they need to be um, we have good enough jobs that we can just work through the day and we don't have to work at night and, um, and sort of miss out on our, our kids growing up and not be able to take them places You know, I do 
get to the point where I'm a little bit like, man, I'm you know, sick of getting home from work and still rallying around after work, taking the daughter to cheerleading, taking the son to football. But, you know, I live for them kids. Um, so does the wife. And as much as I moan about it, I won't have it any other way. Um, because, you know, it's giving them the best start in life. They don't have to start now and change their ending. Um, their beginnings are good. Hopefully, the middle will be better and the ending will be a fairy tale. Um, but, you know, we'll see. They're the choices that they're going to make themselves as they get older. Um, all I can do is try and instill these things into them. Um, <clears throat> put, you know, put them around the right people who are going to also instill things into them because we can't always be there. At school, you would hope the teachers are doing the right job. And outside of school, you know, some of the some of the mentors that they've got, the, the coaches that they're working with um, in their in their fields of uh, activities, let's say their hobbies, um, there's some really good guys. And I'm especially impressed with the guy at futsal because I know how hard it is to train kids. Um, and one of the coaches, Will, I think his name is, he he's very, very good at controlling uh, a large amount of kids in that hour and really having them focus on the, what they're doing, the task in hand. Um, and some of the stuff they do, some of the, the drills that they're doing are very complicated and you have to really be switched on to know, you know, when it's your turn to come onto that field. So there's a lot of, I don't know how well you know football, but it can be 1v1 situations, 2v2, 3v3, a whole, you know, 7, 8, versus the same amount but there can also be a 2v1 situation but it's knowing the right time to that your teammate can come in and make that a 2v2 and then another person will come in and a 3v2 there'll be a lot of kids dribbling the ball crossing over each other and it's being very very much about being aware and not bumping into each other and but everything that he's telling them to do I'm very impressed at how um how these kids are are actually um, carrying out these these uh, tasks um, because I'm listening sometimes or half listening and and, I'm, and I kind of go oh what, what what was that they were supposed to do what's Mason supposed to be doing that and then I'll see him do it and I think that's it and I've probably struggled myself it, it, it's not that it's too complicated but it is just the fact that you know you really have to be switched on and you need to be listening all the time and that you know, with a bunch of boys, you don't get very often. So I'm very impressed with the way he does it. And when somebody does mess about, he's quite firm, but at the same time, he doesn't shout. Um, but they know, you know, they know they've done wrong. Um, and he doesn't have to say too much. So I'm really impressed with that. And they're the kind of people that if you're not the one that's, I don't want to say discipline your child, I want to say guiding your child, if you're not in control of, of that guidance, and they're the kind of people um, who you want them to be around who are giving them that guidance and um, basically pushing them in, in the right direction and teaching them discipline, what's right from wrong. Um, so I'm very happy with that. Um, so, yeah, as much as I can put in and as much as everybody else can put in, I mean, I've got a very good wife, I have to say, uh, because I don't think my kids would be probably as good as they are and have a lot of the um, qualities that they have if it wasn't for my wife. You know, she's put qualities into me um, as well as the way she's put qualities into the into the children um, that I don't know if I would have instilled into them um, on my own. So, you know, I have to thank her for a lot um, and appreciate everything that she does. Um, she works hard just like myself. She does a lot more with the children because she manages her time better, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I have to say a massive thank you to her and you know, appreciate what she does for me and the kids. So moving forward, I don't want to talk too much about just me, but I'm hoping that this can resonate with you. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, it's this is the podcast. This is what I do. The um, there is a base there, uh, and that was the quote that I started with, but where 
my thought processes goes, it can it can range, and I can end up miles down the road from where I started. But I'll always come back around. Um, believe me on that one. So I don't even know. I probably rambled on for about ten minutes now, and I don't really know where I started and how I got into this direction. Kids, something to do with chemical energy, testosterone, and stuff like that. Yeah, not having a the most humble upbringing. The government should do better. Yes, we should make things cheaper or actually, um, yeah, okay, I'm back with it. I'm going through uh, my thought processes. Yeah, so there should be more stuff out there for kids. Even if it's not free, it should be made cheaper. I don't think it's good. It's right that a lot of these clubs now are charging people. And what I was getting onto was Clive Ferran. He still does that. He still has that. He does do a gym membership and stuff. But when it comes to your kids... Um, you can just pay, you can pay and go just to the gym. Um, especially with the kids, I think that's brilliant. You can do that. Kids nowadays, they get pocket money, they might choose to go that way. And what I was trying to say is that I wish I had that. I wish I had that outlet. I, I did eventually find something, which was the tennis, um, the boxing. That skill set is always nice to have. I'd probably be better at boxing now if I did do that at a younger age because you're a sponge and you absorb so much. Um, my son's literally just said yesterday that he wants to go back boxing because... Um, with all the activities he's doing, the amount of football he's playing at the minute, literally haven't got time to, to get him to boxing. But I would love to do that and get him back into there. Um, so if he wants it, you know, I'm definitely going to... That will be something I'll try and squeeze in. Maybe drop one of his football sessions. Um, but yeah, so again, the moral is that um, you have to... Um, start from where you are. If you can't change that beginning, or we, you know you can't change the beginning, but maybe the, your beginning wasn't the best, um, just like myself. That doesn't change your future. That doesn't change who you can become and who you are being right now. You can literally change the way your mind um, set is. You can change the, your, your thought process and um, motivate yourself I've seen firsthand what it does to other people by being positive. Um, I try and send positive messages to work colleagues. Um, I've had work colleagues come into the gym with me now. Um, and, you know, we'll, I'll go away from them after our gym session. I'll go home to get a shower, get ready, everything else, come to work a couple of hours later. And they're telling me how great they feel. And they feel that sense of achievement. And they're like riding high because... Um, the endorphins, they've released the dolphins, they're riding the waves. And that's the thing that I've been pushing on this podcast and telling people for so long that just getting yourself out there, doing something, um, you know, that makes you feel good. Getting getting to the gym for me in the morning is so important. Unfortunately, this morning, because I've got such a big commute on, I haven't been able to go. It's Thursday. I went Wednesday, I went Tuesday, I went Monday. The weekends are a bit tougher, but... For me, there's no days off now. I just want to get to that gym every day if I can. Every morning, and I'm hitting that gym at, you know, I'm having to get up around 6 a.m. I'm getting in there for about half past six. And if I do a half an hour, 40-minute burn session, which is, if you're not a listener, um, is a high-intensity interval training class. Um, you're doing 40 to 50 till, sometimes a minute because we're up in the game. But anywhere between 40 seconds and a minute of high-intensity workout, you'll take a 5 seconds, 10 seconds, or maybe a 15 seconds, if you're lucky. I don't really think we get many 15-second rests. It's usually 10 maximum in between that workout and your next workout. And you'll do that for eight different workouts, sometimes nine now, and you'll do it three times over. And you, you can do that in a space of half an hour. And as long as you go in there and give it everything you've got for that time, you will lose weight, you'll feel good, your your mind, uh, your whole mindset, your persona, your demeanour, everything will change. You'll be happier, you'll be more positive, you'll be more vibrant, you know, you'll go into work feeling a totally different person to, you know, somebody who wakes up in the morning feeling a bit groggy, a bit miserable, uh, you take all that into work with you. You, know, you might be the same. You might have this pent-up energy. I always compare it to a dog. You look at a dog. 
and it's exciting, it's got energy when people come around, it's jumping around and, he, and he, you're, you're trying to get it to settle, to calm down, to sit, to go, you know, leave this person alone. If that dog is locked up in a, in a, in a small environment, in a cage or even in the house for a certain amount of time, it will go a little bit stir crazy. And that is the kind of thing that it will do. It will be jumping around. It needs to get the energy out. That's why dogs need to go for a walk. That's why you need to take them outside. You need to let them off the lead, let them run around. Get that energy out of them. And I, I compare it to that a lot with humans. We still have that. Now, you think, um, you go back as far as where humans started from. We didn't have it so easy. We couldn't just sit in an armchair and literally order our food, order whatever we wanted um, from the comfort of our sofa, staring to a TV. There was no luxury like that. If we wanted food, we were hunter-gatherers. We had to go out, we had to hunt, we had to kill the food. And then the process from even how hard that part of it is, you might have had to hunt for two hours walking around 10 miles to get to um, the thing that you wanted to catch. Um, You might have made a few attempts and failed in the the first instance. Um, You're starving, hungry. Um, It's not getting any easier. But you finally get your catch. From that point, you've then got to say if it's an animal, you've got to skin it. Yeah, you've got to you've got to cut the meat off it. You've got to then do the fire. You've got to you've got to cook it and then eat it. Um, there's a there's a, a lot of processes in there, um, which could probably take up a lot of your day. But in that time, you're burning all that energy. And you're also burning energy that you probably don't have because, you know, now a lot of us are eating, you know, carbs that are not like compact carbs. Um, carbs that you know, just we don't need and they're just sitting around and in our bodies. I don't want to try and speak too scientific because I don't know. Um, I don't know all the facts. I should probably read up a little bit more. But what I'm trying to say is that we eat shit, right? Pizza stuff like that, you know, and, and that will just sit in our bodies and we've got all these extra, all this extra energy there, um, but it, it sits there and eventually makes you feel sluggish and lethargic, takes away um, more than it gives you energy-wise um, because it's, it's more than we need, really. Um, we, we're just that lucky now. We kind of have turned into fat slobs. Um, even if we don't look like them, um, we might look good on the outside, but we are kind of still slobby. And I would love to be able to go out and hunt and gain my own food. It's not quite that easy. Um, so I don't want to go too far away from where I started, but what I am saying is that a way to, to use up that energy is get to that gym. Um, and I can't promote high-intensity classes enough. A spin class, that is a, such a hard class. And a lot of people don't understand because they think it's, you know, um, women sitting on a bike and pedaling a bike. Um, probably is. There's a lot more men doing it now. But I tell you something, it's not easy. Um, you know, you go through the levels on the gears on your bike. Um, the trainer that we've got that does the spin classes is brilliant because it will make you work the bike in different positions. So you'll be sat down, you'll be stood up, you'll be sort of squatting on the bike. Uh, all the time at different levels um it'll make you do sprints it'll make you do almost like a hill climb um and it's very hard it's a very hard class to do and again in that short space of time you can you can do a good workout i think i've burned 600 calories in a 45 minute spin class um anything like that is something that you can squeeze into your day this is the reason why i like doing the burn classes the high intensity classes because it's half an hour you can squeeze that into your day you know, when people go to the gym and they're lifting weights and they're really um, focused on, what, is, what did you call it, bodybuilding, I suppose, body sculpting, like your, your arnies of the world, um, spending hours and hours in the gym. I don't know where people find that time. You know, if you're getting paid, if you've got some sort of sponsorship, if you're a model, I get it. Um, but 99% of us are just normal people who've got busy lives at work. Um, so yeah, it's just really, let's get going and, you know, squeeze that in, do what we can, 30 minutes, hard as we can go. It feels shit at first, I'll admit, 
it feels like the hardest thing, the hardest 30 minutes of your life at that point. It feels like 30 minutes might have been like two hours because it's going so slow because you're using up all your muscles, all your oxygen. Everything seems tough. You're starting to blow. It's getting harder. You're still doing the same exercise after 20 minutes that you was doing in your first minute. But you've just done 20 minutes worth of exercise. It's not going to get any easier. It's only going to get harder. But that is where the mental grit has to kick in. That's where you have to push yourself. And from that, you get such a good sense of, wow, I managed to do it. A great sense of achievement that you've done that. And this is one thing that I found where I, I can't I can't scream and shout enough about it to people. And the people that have come and, and you know, done this class alongside me, and who I've seen afterwards, uh, there's not one person that's come back to me and said, I'm never doing that again, that's rubbish. Everybody that's done it, yeah, they've said it was hard. Yeah, they felt sick. Oh, my God, that was the worst thing I've ever done. Give it an hour or two. Get a shower, get a coffee. Come back to me, tell me how you feel. Totally different. Absolute different person. As I said, the demeanour, the mindset, attitude, everything, it's all changed. And it's such an important thing to me. So important to get that. And if you can't get to the gym, you can still do videos online. There's high-intensity training. Joe Wicks, Lean in 15, The Body Coach, whatever it's called. All the videos are on YouTube. Um, You can do it from home. The reason why I like going to the gym, what I go to, is because they incorporate more weights into that, into the intensity stuff. But you don't need the weights because your own body weight's enough. Um, and all you have to do is just go harder, go faster. If you want to make it harder, you know, you did 20 reps in that 60 seconds. Next time, you're going to do 30 reps, 40 reps. You're going to get faster. You're going to get stronger. You know, your push-ups, what you start doing. You might have to start doing them off your knees um, because your upper body strength isn't there. Eventually, you get off your knees and you do a push-up uh, in the normal sense of the way. You'll do 10 reps, you'll do 20 reps, you'll do 30 reps. You're going to get stronger, faster every time. There's no, all right, I'm going to hit a plateau with this because you can always push yourself to go further and do more. And that's the same as life. Don't ever stop and feel like that you're at the top already. You're at the peak. I feel like you can always do more. Um, So this is where I want to sort of go back into um, telling you guys about what's changed. The business... Um, it's still there. It's similar in a way in the background. It's it's not something that I'm putting my my energies into right now. Um, I'm putting my energies into this new venture because I want to make this work. The opportunity is as good as I felt it would be. I am on a new path. Um, I spent three months project managing um, in, in audiovisual. Um, we took a guy on under me who um, is training uh, AV. And one of the guys that was already helping out in the AV department has fully uh, come over as a, as a fully-fledged, let's say, uh, AV engineer or lead engineer. Um, so I've been managing them guys as well as the workload and the client who brings a lot of this work in for us. Um, the client's gone a bit quiet. We don't have a, a proper account manager now for this client. And... Um, after three months of being at this company, I've been offered a new role, which is a channel partner executive. And I am now more like an account manager. Um, well, my, my role is to, um, let's say, help develop the relationship between us and the client. Um, teach them, educate them in what we can offer them educate their sales guys in how they can um, sell the services that we provide. Um, because work slowed down a bit from them and it's not always about selling. You know, they have sales guys out on there. It's about educating people and telling people um, where the benefits are in the product that, that you're offering. A hard sell not always the route forward, in my opinion. I'm not, I'm not a salesman. Um, so this is why 
even though my, my role now comes up under sales account management, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not going out there and pitching something to somebody. All I'm merely here to do is educate people because there's no point in selling something that you haven't got either an interest or knowledge in. Um, the product that you're trying to sell or offer your customer needs to really sell itself. So we're not talking about flogging dead horses. We're talking about offering people good service, good support, good um, equipment, good products. Um, and it's, it's not about selling any of those things I've just mentioned. It's really just about educating people on how they will benefit from this product, from this service, from the support that they will receive. And this is what I need to inspire into, into these people that I'm going to meet. Um, this is where I feel like they may be going wrong. Um, technically, I know a little bit more about the products. So I can explain how that product would suit their client that they are selling this to. Because really, if you tell somebody the benefits um, and and the great things about the product, the product sells itself. You don't have to say, you need to buy this, you need to buy this. It's not about that. For me personally, if I go to look at something, and this is just on a personal level, I don't really need a guy. Let's say I'm going to pick out somewhere like um, electrical store, there's not many about, Curry's PC World. And in my head, I already want a TV, for instance. I already know that I'm going there to buy a TV or I'm going there to buy a radio or the latest iPhone, for instance, or, or any phone, let's say. Because I don't want to say the latest iPhone because that you pigeonhole to that one thing. But I know what product I want. I know I want this product. Any client already has, you know, once they've invited you in, they already know that they want a product. So, if you go in there like a bull in a china shop, trying to ram something down somebody's throat, feel like you can put them off. One thing that I don't like, and, and this is not me knocking these people who work at Curry's, one thing I don't like is when they come up to you and they say, can I help you? Because personally, if I want your help, I'll come and ask. But I do understand that you know some people don't like to ask. And that's just a polite thing. They're asking you, would you like some help? So I'm not rude, but I say, no, thank you, I'm okay. Um, and when I do, I will approach them. But I just want them to tell me what this product can do. A lot of the time, I can gauge that from what I'm reading. So I'll read it. Now, and that's probably um, half the battle because I'm sold on what I've seen already. It looks nice, but what can it do? Okay, so let's talk about TVs. Right, oh, it's a smart TV, so what? I can access Netflix and YouTube and stuff at a touch of a button. That's great. Yeah, because, you know, my son likes YouTube. He's always on that, so he can do it through the TV now. He doesn't have to pick up his iPad and go into the app, etc. I can watch Netflix. Ah, oh, that's good. Yeah, I don't need a separate device to give me Netflix now. You know, the same with your Amazon Primes and stuff like that. BBC iPlayer, catch-up TV. We don't need to have separate devices. It's all built into these smart things. Right, what else can it do? Because a lot of stuff can do that now. What makes it stand out? Well, it's a 4K OLED TV. And you get uh, upscaling to 2K, even on a standard resolution picture. All right, that's good. So I'm always going to get a better picture through this. It's not just going to give me 4K because I have to have a 4K device, because that's something that people get a little bit confused with. They think they're automatically going to get whatever resolution it says. No, because you need a device like a Blu-ray um, that is giving you a 4K picture. Um, similar to uh, many other things, um, many other aspects, what people don't encounter for is, or count for, should I say, is 
things like, was it recorded in 4K? Because if we're watching a film from 20 years ago, that's not true 4K, you know? So I want to know these things. Oh, well, this has got the technology that upscales it. It's in somewhere near 4K. Oh, that's brilliant. Right, what else can it do? Well, actually, it's got a DVR built in so you can record things. Awesome. What else can it do? And eventually, that product has been sold to me without it being sold. That product has just basically told me what it's capable of. And that is the selling point. Not the guy ramming it down my throat going, oh, you want to get one of these. This is the best thing on the market. The specification and, and how I will benefit from it. I suppose the other thing is like, if you're a family, the same way a business would work, when we do this on a, on a family level. So if you're a family, how does this work for my family? So yeah, it's great for me. Is this, so is this great for my 14-year-old daughter? What would she benefit from it? Oh, yeah, there's the Netflix aspect. She's always on Netflix. There's the, for, for, my, for my young son. Yeah, there's, there's the YouTube side of it. Oh, and it's voice controlled as well because, you know, my wife's not very techy. She doesn't want to go through all these menus and stuff. And she can literally press that button and say, start Netflix. And it comes on. Awesome. The same way is when you're selling something to a business. You might be there with one person. And that benefits that person in that department. How will it benefit people beyond their department? How can other people use that product, that service? You know, how will the, the support benefit this company in the long term? These are the things that I have now got to speak to other people about and let them know. And I'm sure a lot of them are good at that. But I do know that some of them are not so technical. And education on the product um, that they are they are selling is vital. Um, education on how that product will be beneficial to somebody's business, which will in turn aid them to be able to make their own sales and their own growth, is one of the things that I really need to nail down and, and get across. So hopefully they can push that across. On top of this, we've got our own products. We've got couple of pieces of software that are ready to launch that I really feel like they can be helping us um, push into the market. So I've got my job cut out, but my background, right, like I was saying, the humble beginnings, um, the curse of not having any money and not having a lot it's also a blessing because it's given me the drive to be able to get more, to be able to provide my family, my children with more. So, you know, people always look back at life and say, oh, I wish I had this and I wish I had that. But by not having those things, not growing up and having things handed to you on a plate, I feel like that is what made me me and that's what can give you that drive that want for more that being able to pass um you know being able to give your kids a little bit more and stuff so half of me like sometimes when i am kind of spoiling my kids makes me want to be a bit like don't give them too much you know don't give them too much because they still they still have to have that that self-motivation that that determination that will uh, to get more themselves, to, to do better, to better themselves, to achieve more. Um, but I think they're good kids, man. We've been lucky, and like I said, with the wife and stuff. So, yeah, it's <clears throat> a blessing and the curse. And, and this is where the whole um, sort of story of this podcast came along. One of the things that I've been doing recently is that I've got a WhatsApp group with a few uh, friends from work who started coming into the burn group, uh, the burn um, sessions. So... One of the guys made a burn group, put us all in it, WhatsApp group. Um, so we chat in there a bit. Um, and a couple of days uh, went by where I went on my own. Um, my wife, she really damaged the form like a hairline fracture, so she's not gone. Um, one of the guys who comes, Finley, shout out to Finley. Um, he's not made it. Uh, another friend, she's on holiday. <clears throat> and then another guy, Lee. 
who is kind of like my mentor in this new role. Um, I'm missing quite a bit. Um, I wish he was with me today, but for you know, reasons that are not my business, he's he's not. He's off. Um, and he's the one that created the group. So like I'm saying, there's people that haven't come. Um, Finn really wanted to come, but, you know, there's things that have got in the way. He's too tight. So I thought, you know, I'm going to send out an inspirational video and make a little... Just, just take a quote and send that their way, and hopefully it's relevant to the day. You know, and I use a quote, like, metaphorically, because... Actually, as you might even be able to hear throughout this podcast, it's raining. It's June. The weather's crap. Um, people are getting upset by it because they, you know, they expect sunshine. Um, and I just use the quote. Um, as I say, because of the weather, that's what made it spring to mind. But metaphorically, it means a lot as well. And it, that quote was: "Without rain, there would be no rainbows." Without the darkness, there would be no stars. So it's kind of like a yin and yang thing. So and it's like almost like the every cloud has a silver lining. Um, you know, you the the adversity that you have to go through to get to the good times, all that kind of stuff. Uh, in in that in that little quote there, which I liked just because it was kind of relevant to the fact that it's pissing it down and we're in June. Uh, but I just want them to take a little something from that and be like, you know, the thing that I always think is that, yeah, it's hard to get yourself motivated to get out of bed, especially when the weather's like this, especially if you've had a bad sleep, you're not feeling the best, you're still tired from the day before, you're aching, whatever. All all of the factors that can come into things. When it comes to getting out there and doing that thing that you, you don't have to do, it's not, you know, getting up and going to work, majority of the time people even when they really don't want to still get up and do it because, you know, it's what pays their bills, it's what puts the food on the table. Um, Something like going to the gym doesn't have that impact. But I do feel like there's still that negative impact there that you're not having that positive start to the day. And for me, it's not about getting to the gym because I want to and when I want to and when it's nice and I've got time and all that kind of stuff best times for me are the times where I wake up and I go, I really can't be asked. I really don't want to do this today. That is the time where I'm like, right, now you have to go. Because if you don't want to go, and I force myself to go, that's an achievement for a start. And I know that when I feel like shit, going into the gym, a couple of hours later, I'll feel a lot better. I'll feel so... Just grateful and um, you know, I will have no regrets I'll be what's the word? I can't get it out, sorry guys um, yeah, just basically that I will I'll be I'm much happier that I did do it than I didn't do it, if you like um, I know that how it makes you feel Once sometimes when you're going to the gym you feel crap you would never expect that you're going to come out the other side and feel the total opposite Um if you don't, if you don't do something like that and you feel crap and then you go into work, I feel like that negative feeling like you don't want to be there will just manifest and it will only become worse anyway. So they are the times. Personally, um, I think that is when you should be like, I am going to this. I am doing this. When you don't want to do it is the time to do it. That is the best time to do it. Not the times when you're already happy and you're already positive and you, you know, you're you're willing and wanting to go to the gym because anybody can do that. Anybody will do something when it's convenient for them. It's about doing things when it's not as convenient. Being comfortable in an uncomfortable situation, becoming comfortable in uncomfortable situations, will make you a better person. I guarantee that because being comfortable or staying comfortable, or remaining comfortable in a bubble um, that you've wrapped yourself up in will not push you forward. You will never gain anything from that. All you'll do is stay on the same level. And if that's what you want, that's fine. But if you want to go to the next level, if you want to push forward and you want to get something more from yourself, um, whether that be in your personal life, in your career, your fitness goals, whatever, 
I think you just, you have to go outside of comfort. You really have to. You have to go into some probably really uncomfortable situations that you really don't want to be in. I've been in places before where I felt like there is no end. There is, um, it's over. This ain't going to work. This isn't going to happen. I can't do this. And I can look back at those things now, those situations now, and actually feel like I got through that. And at that point in time, I really thought that I wasn't going to achieve that goal. I wasn't going to get that job complete, that task, that personal struggle, whatever it was. I always felt at that point in time, when I was there, I wouldn't get past it. I would not be able to get past that point. Yeah, and I will look back and go, I did it. And I know next time I'll do it again. So I can take that and I can look at all those past situations and think to myself, we've been here before. Don't worry, we will get through it. Yes, it's going to be hard. Right? Nobody's going to come and save you. You've got to find the strength, the motivation, the determination, the drive, the will, whatever you want to call it. You've got to smash on through that barrier because you will get through it and you will pass that barrier. Um, it, you can't crumble, you know? And as humans, we're resilient. We're not made to crumble. We're made to survive. And we will survive. So every time you get into one of those situations where you feel like there's no end, like it's not going to be, there's no, you're not going to get this done. Uh, you can't get past that. Remember the time when you felt like that before and the time before that and you still made it through. You still passed it. You still completed it. And you're still here now. These times are going to happen in life, guaranteed. Um, unexpectedly, a lot of the time. But you will get through it. And I'm growing. And what I was saying before about, yeah, I didn't have these results when I was younger. Um, I didn't. I didn't have the right education, I suppose, because I didn't really know about universities and things like that. Uh, Maybe if I would have got to that point um, and I would have had the right amount of guidance, and this is still only a maybe, maybe then I would have um, chosen to go and and, and a different career path than than what I took. But at the same time, I never regret. I don't regret my my choices. I don't... um, I don't look back at at my time as a child and and hold my parents accountable and find them responsible for the fact that I haven't done more with my life yet because there's nothing stopping me in this moment right now from doing more and from trying to achieve more and being in the right frame of mind to say we can do this and if you want it you go get it and this is what I'm doing I'm living that so my new role now is totally different to anything I've done. There's parts and aspects of my job and things that I can take from that what I want to implement into this. And even me, I've questioned, like, can I do this? Is this within my remit as a person? Do I have that capacity to be able to do this? And then I think, why not? How am I different to anybody else? And I also have some really good people around me They were constantly telling me, you can do this. Um, Be yourself. Don't be anybody else. Don't change. Because one of the things I always feel like is you go into a certain situation and it's kind of more suit and tie. You know, you're in meetings and feeling. And only from your own insecurities, out of your depth. So when you have that person there and they're telling you, be yourself. You don't need to change who you are because you sat with other people who are wearing a nice pair of shoes and a tie, who have had a certain education, who have gone through college and university. They have have got to that point in their lives, in their own way, on their own paths. We've got to that same point differently, maybe even more difficultly, if that's a word. Um, You know, we've had to do it. We've had to go a long way around, potentially. But that doesn't make you any lesser person being in that room with those people. 
You deserve to be there. And that's what I have to take from this. And I, like I said, I have to thank people like Lee, especially he kind of, he, I would say, was the, one of the main reasons why I took this job. The money's gone up, yeah, but that's not important. The money, you know, it's not gone up loads, but it's gone up from what I was on. And it, I don't, I didn't need that extra money. It's always nice. Um, but it's a risk as well. So you got, you know, there's risk and reward and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the risk could be that, you know, it doesn't work out. But, like I said, I'm the opportunity person. I'm the go-getter. I've got to give that a try. And Lee is a kind of a catalyst for me taking this because he believes in me. He told me he believed in me. He told me not to change. And I'm like thinking of how am I going to transition myself as a person from doing the, from being the kind of, I suppose when I was an engineer, I was kind of very laddie, but I am a bit of a chameleon and I can change the, you know, the way I, I come across. But what Lee told me is, don't change, you be you and people will love you for that. And I've also had them words today from Finn and having people say that kind of stuff. My wife's always believed in me. She always said to me, I'll smash it. You know, whatever I've got into, as much insecurity as I've had, as, the, the, as much as I feel I don't belong in a certain situation uh, or in the same room as certain people. I mean, going back to the whole shirt and tie and polished shoes and all that kind of stuff, when you take all that off and you strip it back, we're all the same. We're all flesh and bones, muscle, tissue, blood, you know? Um, so, just to say that about yourself and to, to already go in with that negative mindset that you're not good enough, um, you're defeating yourself. So, the whole point is having that positive mindset. I'm thinking, do you know what? I've done good for myself. I know, I know people that I grew up with that haven't done much. Um, that are living lives that they don't really want to be living. They wanted to do more with themselves. And, you know, I can just look and think, well, that could have been me. But because of my outlook and the way I've approached things, the, the determination to get more and be more and do more, um, you know, live this the best that I can live and do as much as I can do while I'm here. We're here for a good time, not a long time. And I'm saying this um, on, on a work level and a job level now, but that doesn't have to just be that. This can be on a personal level. You know, if you want to go climb Kilimanjaro, don't be afraid that you can't make it there. There's always a way. I know somebody has done that. Um, you need it for a Just Giving page. You raise money for charities, mum died of cancer, you know, it doesn't matter. The world's your oyster. And all of these things sound so cliche at times when you say them. But it's so true. It's like, don't don't give up on your dreams and your goals and your aspirations. Just because maybe somebody tells you that it's stupid. Or your own mind, that little voice is telling you, no, you're just you. You're just Richard from Sunny Hill. You know? Don't be afraid to take on challenges that most people would fear and um, shy away from. Um, and, and I think this is a good place to end this podcast. It's been great to be back. Um, it's been really cathartic. I hope that people that are listening to this, I hope there's just something along the way over this sort of hour that you can just take that will inspire you to go into your day and, and just attack it and be more positive and think outside of the box and do and go get and, you know, pass that positivity and that kind of motivation to the next person. Because the world would be a better place if we all are happy and positive and we treat each other um, the way, you know, that people should be treated, the way you want to be treated. The world would be a better place. I don't want to come across cheesy and stuff, or corny if you're American, but 
it really, really is that simple. Um, thank you for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed it. Stay tuned because I, I feel like it's been so long since I've last done one. Um, kind of let myself down by not doing it, but I've had to put things into place. I've got to have something to talk about. Um, there's no point in me coming on and doing a podcast where I just ramble about crap. Um, there, there are many things I can talk about now because of the experiences and um, things that have happened uh, in the past three, four months. Um, so, yeah, I've got content. So this is my starting point. Remember, you can always start again from now. Your past is not your future. What you do in the present and moving forward is your future, your ending, your fairy tale story. Make it happen, people. Have a good day.